Steal My Show, Episode 3. I'm joined today by Mike Mannion, the Mid-Atlantic's Area President for Convene. Today we'll discuss the power of vulnerability. If you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you got something to say, go on and take it away. Need you to steal my show. What happened at lunch? So I walked into the restaurant, and I'll, I'll never forget, my, my heart was pounding. I was nervous. I was sweating. My palms were sweaty. And um, Anarud was there. And right as I walked in, shook his hand, and I, I just knew he could feel the sweat all over my hand. And we started just right away. He asked me questions, and I started talking and talking and talking. And, and the nerves were so apparent. David DeWolf, nervous? You got to be kidding me. Why were you so nervous? This was my first ever sales call. I had never been in sales before. And here I was, young entrepreneur, just having this realization that I've got to be intentional about building this business that happened to me. And there I was. So stakes are high. What did you do? So I continued lunch and I continued talking. And as we sat down, you know, his face was intense. He was ready to talk about business. And I I was so nervous because this was a real business person. And to date, I was just a technologist. So I kept talking and I kept talking about me. About you? (laughs) More and more and more. I just kept talking about me. And throughout lunch, it was all about me. Was that subject as fascinating to him as it was to you? No. And in fact, it wasn't even fascinating to me. I just didn't know what else to say. Right. It, it was all about me and how I could help and me and how I could help. And um, it just felt awkward. It was horrible. And as that lunch went on, I got more nervous, not less nervous. And I was appalled walking out. Well, what happened at the end? Did, did you get the sale? Did you lose the sale? What happened? So I, I got, you know, basically what felt like a pat on the head of a mm-hmm. nice, nice try, a uh, little one. And I'll call you if I ever need. And I, I knew at that point in time, I had blown it. In what way was this a turning point? So one of the things I realized was that what the business person did on the other side, what Anarud had done was he asked me questions. And I thought back and I realized that a lot of leaders I knew asked questions and they didn't assume that they knew the answers. What did you do? So I started asking questions. To whom? I I reached out to different leaders that I respected, many of whom I didn't even know. And I simply asked for coffee or a phone call so I could pick their brain and learn more about business and learn about how to grow a business. Weren't you worried that you might be exposed as not knowing everything? Sure, I was. Um, But I think at this point in time, I realized I had blown it and I had no other option. I I didn't know what else to do. I knew what I had just done wasn't going to work. So what was the response from these leaders? I was amazed. I couldn't believe how many coffees and lunches I started to have with people that, quite frankly, I shouldn't have been in front of. And I went in with a list of questions, and I had conversations that were a hundred times better than that first sales conversation. You demonstrated yourself to be vulnerable. Did you get the same sort of pat on the head treatment? No, I got the opposite. In fact, some of those people became board members. Other ones became clients. Other ones couldn't help but give introductions and recommend me to others to do business with. 
What do you take from that experience? The power of vulnerability. The power of showing weakness as a leader. Give them what they came for. If you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you got something to say, I want to take it away. Need you to steal my show. Can't wait to watch you go. Oh, oh, oh. So take it away. You mentioned the power of being vulnerable. What is the power? Being human. What I've found is that when you're real, when you're a person, people follow. Are there some steps that we can take, some concrete things we can do to be vulnerable and get people to follow? The most obvious one is to expose your weaknesses and to admit your mistakes. When did that happen for you? You know, just a a couple months ago, I can think of this example where I had made a decision to delay hiring a senior leader in our organization. And as part of that decision, I took on myself the responsibility of playing a piece of that role. How confident were you that it was the right decision? Uh, You know, there's no doubt, even in hindsight, I look back and say that was the right decision. What I failed at was the execution of that decision. And I didn't actually do what I committed to do. What did you do when you realized I made a mistake? This is where the lesson comes in, right? I admitted that I had failed and I had to go to my leadership team and say, listen, I committed to sharing in this responsibility and and playing this part of the role. I have failed to do it and I have let you down. Well, they were probably stunned because you'd never made a mistake before. (laughs) (laughs) What was their reaction? Unfortunately, it's all too common. And, um, you know, it it was fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, luckily I had learned this lesson before, so it was a little easier, but it's always hard to do. How did they react? What did they say? They they rallied and I saw people hold up their hand and say, you know what? I've failed to do my part of this as well. And here's how I've participated. But more importantly, they said, well, let's, we're all in, let's fix this. Let's go in together and move forward. Did it get fixed as a result of this? Unbelievable. Um, after this was literally months of failing to execute, we fixed the problem within four days. Was it hard for you to admit the mistake to others? You know, It is always hard, but I got to tell you, I've learned from doing it enough because I unfortunately make a lot of mistakes. Um, It's actually a relief. Sometimes as leaders, we try to hold these things and put on this perception that we're bulletproof. I have found, especially the support you receive when, when those that are following stand up and they rally around you and they give you permission to fail and make mistakes, that can really provide a motivation to you to continue to do it, to continue to be vulnerable. And it's really a self-fulfilling prophecy. So to reiterate, David, the first step, the most obvious step in being vulnerable is what? Uh Number one is absolutely to admit your mistakes and weaknesses. In my quest to be more human, more real, uh, and, and more vulnerable to win people's followership, Mm -hmm. I've taken step one. Mm -hmm. I've admitted my mistakes. Mm -hmm. Now, what do I do? Be transparent. Be transparent about what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Give me an example. So there's a member of my leadership team that for quite some time I had struggled to really make a connection with. Why is that? You know, I, I don't know, quite honestly. I think we just had different 
personalities. Um, we had different trains of thought in a couple of areas and, um, we had just never sat down and talked about it. So what happened? So I sat down and talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, after thinking and, and and contemplating it way too much, I, I simply went into this individual's office and, uh, uh, took them out to lunch and started to have conversations about how I was feeling and what I was thinking and how I was perplexed that we didn't make a connection and we weren't communicating as effectively as I thought we should. What was his or her reaction? You know, immediately it was, wow, um, I've been feeling the exact same thing. And it was a aha moment of we both recognize that we just were naturally communicating differently and we just need to be deliberate about building that rapport and building that relationship. And from that point of just brutal honesty with each other, our relationship took off and the communication issues just fell apart. What were one of the things you were most brutally honest about and most transparent about the way you were thinking or feeling? Yeah. So um, I actually felt like this individual was intentionally avoiding me. And I came out and just said that. And I I came with a few examples of this, this, and this example of when we had meetings scheduled or when we had something going on and I felt like I was being avoided. And I said, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, but here's how I'm taking it. And here's how I'm feeling about it. What's your perspective? And what did he say with that <laughs> brutally honest question? Yeah, it, it was a wow moment of, I, I promise that's not the case. In fact, I desire that collaboration just as much as you do. And, um, you know, here are the reasons why those decisions were made. It had nothing to do with avoiding you. It had to do with other realities that you just weren't exposed to. What's the relationship like now? Um, significantly improving day after day after day and, and very strong, in fact. Um, you know, right now we have probably the strongest team I've ever worked with. And I could, I attribute a big part of that of, of getting to that point because of the way we've been able to fix this one relationship in particular. Why did it take so long to get to the point of being transparent uh, with the way you were thinking and feeling? So uh, I guess you're asking me to be brutally honest here. Um, I failed as a leader, quite honestly. Um, I allowed this to go on much longer than I should have. Why? And, well, were you just busy or fear, was there fear, right? Fear. These, these conversations are hard, Mike. They're well, not simple conversations. You have to get over the emotional barrier. And the emotional barrier for you is fear. F- fear of what? Yeah, no, I think fear of just being vulnerable. Feel, fear of laying our emotions on the table. When you're honest with somebody, when you put them out there, there's a likelihood of a contentious conversation. And there's a likelihood of, you know, for me to, to show that I am susceptible to feelings of you're trying to avoid me. And and that may show lack of confidence. It may show that I'm not as strong of a leader. It can demonstrate a lot of things. And I think a lot of those things are in my head, quite honestly, because I think real leaders step up and they actually show the leadership to have the hard conversation. But I think in our heads, we've been taught that we have to be bulletproof. We have to be perfect. Was this just a one-time breakthrough with this person or has there been a sustained uh, relationship of of transparency? Yeah, 
there's no doubt that we have continued that trend and we have uh, continued to have those conversations. I, I would say it was a one-time breakthrough in the fact that it allowed us to get it on the table. Yeah. From there forward, we were able to, as soon as something happened, just go in and say, hey, this is how I experienced this situation. What was your thought in it? And it, they're just not issues anymore. Yeah. The lesson that you took from this is what? Be transparent, be open with your feelings and the way you're thinking with other people and problems will solve themselves. I've admitted my mistakes mm. and I have been transparent with my thoughts and feelings with others. Right. Now, what do I do, David? You have to encourage others to share in that same vulnerability. Give us an example. So my 13 year old daughter, Sarah, is at the 13-year-old stage, right? <laughs> Enough um, said. <laughs> exactly. Which means, you know, she's pulling away a little bit and she doesn't want to go deep. She doesn't want to share. And so the other night, um, I was tucking her into bed. And I know that she had been struggling with a couple relationships at school. And I, I asked her, how are you doing with those relationships? And um, I got the standard 13-year-old answer. Which was what? Which was nebulous, which was, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's okay, dad, you know, brushing me off more than anything. And so I challenged her and I, I dove in, well, really, how are you doing with it? And she went a little bit deeper. But then I forced myself to, to lead her. I said, Sarah, what are you going to do tomorrow when this happens? How are you thinking about this? Are you preparing and it got our wheels turning. And we had a short, brief, but powerful conversation where she started to open up her heart, where she started to think about how she could handle situations differently. Well, what did you do differently in this conversation that got a genuine response compared mm -hmm. to other conversations where you didn't? You know, I think I had courage. I had courage to go somewhere where she didn't want to go. You're telling me that at times you're afraid of your 13-year-old daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that so true? Um, I think sometimes, whether it's our 13-year-old daughter or our best friend or my wife or somebody I work with, whatever it is, we have this fear of vulnerability. And we've talked about one-way vulnerability of, yeah. of sharing our own thoughts and feelings. But isn't it even more scary sometimes to allow others to be vulnerable and share what they're thinking and feeling with us. What are you afraid of at times when you're sensing, uh-oh, somebody's <laughs> going to be vulnerable and transparent with me? You know, will I know how to handle it? You know, do I know how to respond? Um, can I be the father that my daughter needs me to be? Can I be the leader that one of my teammates needs me to be? Um, you know, who knows? I think as a society, vulnerability is taboo and opening up with each other is scary. And we have to get beyond that and get it out of our heads. So you mustered up the courage to be vulnerable with Sarah. You invited right. her into vulnerability. Mm -hmm. What are some specific things or ways in which you did that? Yeah. Genuine curiosity. Um, the power of asking questions. Um, but be careful, Mike. This is not about peppering somebody. It's not about an interrogation. This is about leading somebody to discover their own thoughts and feelings. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we're not even vulnerable with ourselves? Sometimes we're not honest with what we're feeling and thinking. We're, we have a hard time articulating it. And so 
this is a great example with my 13 year old daughter. Here's Sarah. I'm not convinced she could articulate it. I had to really ask the questions and pull it out and be willing to persevere in having her, you know, really open up to me. So you've asked the questions and now she's talking, right? How do you respond? How do you handle it? How do you make it safe? Well, you just said the key word, right? It's safe. Um, when we're dealing at a raw, vulnerable level, whether this is a 13-year-old daughter or a 47-year-old man, um, we have to give permission to other people to be vulnerable, to share their feelings, to share their thoughts, to accept them, and to truly listen and be genuine about our interest in them. Is there a different dynamic at work mm-hmm. than at home? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I, I think just by its very nature, there is, right? Obviously, with my daughter, um, she's my daughter, and I have permission to ask these questions. At work, like I said, it, there's a little bit of this taboo environment where we're afraid to go places. But I think we have to challenge ourselves to get beyond that environment. You use the word permission. How do we create a culture of permission yeah. to be transparent? You know, one of the work. one of the best techniques I've found is to simply ask the question. Now, Mike, can I ask you a hard question? Not on the podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> so now I know I can't go there, right? Yeah. But by and large, when you sit down with somebody, um, they will say yes. And as soon as they give you that permission, you have permission to go there. And so ask for it. And you know what? goes back to a safe environment. You have to respect them if they say no. Yeah. So after admitting my mistakes and mm-hmm. being transparent with how I think and feel, the third step in being more vulnerable is, is having the courage to help others become vulnerable. Vulnerability is one of those leadership tools that, quite frankly, we're afraid of. We don't want to exercise, but it's so powerful because it's human, it's real, it's authentic, and people like to follow people that are real and authentic. By being vulnerable, you demonstrate trust. You show that you're all about the team, that you're in it for the mission as opposed to for yourself or your ego, what you're looking to do. When we're real, when we're authentic, we're able to motivate and lead much more powerfully. It has taken me a long time to learn how to really embrace the power of vulnerability and to exercise it and use it consistently. But quite honestly, I'm still not there. I'm I'm still learning and I still fail. But I have learned over and over again, not just through the examples I've shared today, but through countless others, that every time I do, it allows for greater connection with the team, with individuals, and it drives the team forward. Let me give you a challenge today. Try it. Be vulnerable this week. Be raw. Be real. Find an opportunity and go do something greater than yourself. To say.